everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is the super stupendous Jonathan Strickland. I'm super. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. So once again, we have come together to gather a lot of the geeky news of the week and talk about it. And once again, uh, our, our news items got way longer than what we had anticipated. Mm-hmm. So we thought since the last time was such a big hit, <laughs> I'm assuming, I mean, I haven't heard anyone complain about it, that we would do another 30 seconds or less segment where we attempt to describe a geeky news story within 30 seconds or less. Hopefully the actual description of a news story will take less time than me introducing this segment. I, I like your Shatner-esque like, uh, intro, in, intro there. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some positively pregnant pauses in that, <laughs> in that phrase. All right, so <clears throat> we have uh, divided up these stories between the two of us. Although now I look at it, I'm like, huh, we could have done this so that they would alternate back and it's forth, fun. but it's, we didn't. It's, it's, it's a scramble. It'll be fun. Yeah. So uh, I've got the first one. I am going to start the clock now. So our first story is that Sean Levy is developing a Star Wars film. Sean Levy is known as uh, the director of Deadpool. He's uh, working on Deadpool 3 right now. And so there is an assumption that any Star Wars film he is working on is probably going to be coming probably, I don't know, I'd say 2025 at the earliest, probably later than that. So we don't really have any details on it, but it's an interesting choice and I'm done. Great. Okay, what's the next one? Okay. Oh, shoot. I had two in a row. Yes. All right, next one. And I'm going to start now. Okay, we also have the barest of details about an upcoming Star Wars series called The Acolyte which, as far as we know, is some sort of murder mystery-ish thing set during the era of the High Republic. We know that Amandla Stenberg and Lee Jung-jai are in it, as well as Carrie Ann Moss, who was in The Matrix, and lots of other folks, and I'm running out of time. But that's about all we know, except this is going to be a series on Disney Plus and done. Oh, you're technically one second late, Jonathan. Okay. My turn. Oh, uh, well, not on mine. On mine, I had the little timer on it. It said 29 seconds, point five eight. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll trust your timer. Okay. And go. We have more Star Wars news, which is that shoot Studio Ghibli, and we didn't know it was Star Wars news until today, probably. Um, Studio Ghibli posted something really cryptic on Twitter that was the Lucasfilm logo and then their Studio Ghibli photo our logo and everybody was like oh they're gonna do some sort of mashup we don't know anything about it what they're doing but today they tweeted something that was just a little like grogu or yoda minifigure on a table with um i think miyazaki maybe behind it anyhow uh so that is a mashup we might have did i go over 30 seconds you were 3.3.47 seconds over dang it ah well, uh, yeah. not according to my... Oh, dang, I already <laughs> said I wasn't using my timer. Okay, uh, the next one. I will make it up in this one. Okay, so we have a little bit of news about the Umbrella Academy, and really that's just that season four has wrapped, I think. And also... Oh, no! Ah, 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 ah. It's underway. And also the title of the first episode is The Unbearable Tragedy of Getting What You Want. Done. Also, it's the final season. It is the final season. Surely that was under 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah. No, it, yeah, it was. It was. You were <laughs> you were right around 18 seconds when I jumped in. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, in fact, the music was probably playing out even as I started saying that sentence because I don't plan on cutting it short. It will just play <laughs> <laughs> until, until it gets through and then it'll play again because uh, it's fun to put the music behind this segment but it's also a little time consuming. All right, last one for our 30 seconds and less. And I, it's my turn, so I'm going to hit it now. Okay, our last story 
is that James Gunn and Peter Safran, who are the co-CEOs of DC Universe for like all the all the non-comic book stuff, appeared with David Zaslov at like a town hall meeting and said that they are working together on an eight to 10 year plan for DC across movies, TV, animation, and potentially video games. So unifying vision, long-term plan, not a big surprise, but pretty cool and done. I'm actually pretty surprised, uh, not surprised, uh, delighted about that. James Gunn says if Zaslov wasn't um, excited about it, he wouldn't be doing this. So hopefully that's good news. Uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, I know we're done (laughs) with that news story, but having worked for David Zaslov, (laughs) I'm going to say James Gunn was being very, very kind in saying that David Zaslov clearly has a deep appreciation for this IP and that that's why this is going forward. I would argue David Zaslov sees the DC IP as being profitable, just like the Harry Potter IP. And that's why he wants it, because he's trying to get the company out of a very deep debt pit. I I get that. And I don't want to disqualify any of your past experiences in my like little brain. I'd hope there'd be at least a little bit of uh, he also enjoys DC, even if it doesn't actually factor in. Um. I, I hope I hope so. I would just not be surprised to learn that uh, that is fair. Enough. We'll move on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's a good valid point you have having uh, worked for him before. All right. So we our first actual news story, um, which I don't know if we're going to talk much over thirty seconds about it, except for now I probably already have, is that we have a trailer for Zootopia Plus. I'm especially delighted by this because last week. I thought we had a trailer for Zootopia Plus. I could have sworn that Disney had released something. And then when we went to look for the link, it wasn't there. Yeah. And it may very well be that Disney prematurely posted the trailer because there were there were dozens of YouTube channels out there that had footage from this trailer that we have watched for this episode. They had the footage. So clearly something got released. And so there were lots of fan made trailers. And I use that phrase loosely. Uh, There are a lot of YouTube channels out there that attempt to cash in on popular IP by just doing like a hatchet job edit. Mm -hmm. And that was the case of the Zootopia stuff we saw. There was one that had the worst voiceover I've ever heard to attach to a trailer to the point where I was like, how did Disney even release this? And the answer was they didn't. (laughs) But now Whatever happened originally, whether the trailer was accidentally published early and then pulled, we have it and it looks cute. It's a so the series, each series uh, episode in the series looks like it's a a focusing on a a different character slash scenario. And the one I'm really looking forward to, of course, is the one with the sloths. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly did not. And maybe they announced it and I just missed it, but I did not expect them to go the anthology route with this. Yeah, no, I didn't either. That was I just thought it was going to be a episodic series. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about The Godfather of the Bride. Um because that was yes. one of my favorite pop culture references in Zootopia. Did you enjoy the movie? I did. I well, I go back and forth because some of the underlying messages in that film I struggle with. It's kind of similar to how I feel about Wreck-It Ralph mm-hmm. in that Uh, These are movies where if I think critically about about the story, I come up with things where I'm like, I I assume this isn't what they intended, but this is how I'm inferring the meaning behind this this particular story. And I have a, a deep disagreement with the point of view. That being said, I thought the performances were great. I thought the animation was great. I was charmed by it. Uh, so, and I actually kind of like the Shakira song at the end. So yeah. I, I was, I, I, it's I'm great to Zumba to too. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Yeah. There's a, there are a bunch of like Disney, um, during the pandemic, there are a bunch of like Disney Zumba or hit uh, workouts that popped up on YouTube for free. They're still there if you want to try them out in your house. Uh, and that Shakira song was very popular among them. So yeah, it's a, it's a good fun one to bop along to. Our next story is the rumor is that Doctor Who under Disney Plus, because now we know that Disney Plus is going to be streaming Doctor Who, is going to end up getting a bit of a budget boost. Uh, this was 
based off a, an article in the Mary Sue. And honestly, I don't know how accurate that, that, that suggestion is that, that guess is right. Because I don't mm-hmm. know how much the streaming side of things is going to play into the broadcast side of things. Cause the, the assumption that the Mary Sue article makes is that because Disney plus tends to have these higher production value uh, series that we're going to see a, a triple the budget boost for Dr. Who. And then there's the question of whether or not that's a good thing because Dr. Who as an English production uh, has a very long history of working, doing a lot with the smallest of budgets. So that's true. They're like compared to the tens of millions of dollars at something like rings of power cost, which uh, per episode, which the Mary Sue kind of pans, but I'm up three episodes in and I'm kind of enjoying it. Honestly, you know, Dr. Who is only like one to 3 million pounds per episode. Now I do feel like I've heard stories and obviously I can't corroborate them that like the actors are a little bit run ragged because they have to run over all over these like practical sets because you know, low budgets and whatever. I feel like in the past few years, Doctor Who has upped their budget some. Their effects have gotten better. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a little bit away from that BBC direct feel, which like my my husband doesn't actually like watching BBC shows because there's something about the video or sound quality that just he's always like, that is a BBC show <laughs> um, and he can't get past yeah, it. And where it. Well, yeah, especially like if you're looking at stuff from the 70s and 80s, it has an extremely cheap quality to it. And like you know, anything that was sci-fi related and the Brits love sci-fi. Like mm-hmm. there were a lot of British sci-fi shows, but if you look at any British sci-fi show that has any sort of alien, that isn't just a slightly altered human, uh, they all look like giant rubber suits. Mm-hmm. But I know that like, okay. So for, even for shows that are now kind of under Disney's umbrella that are, are not necessarily on Disney plus itself. So like FX type shows or uh, Hulu shows, for instance, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, also had Disney pour in money in the budget where they needed it to make it quality. Uh, they put a monkey into an episode of the latest season of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And um, because people don't want to use monkey actors anymore, it was CGI and Disney paid for that so that it would be a, like I couldn't tell. It was a really good CGI monkey. Yeah. So if they can do that for Always Sunny in Philadelphia, surely they could do that for Disney or for Doctor Who. What were you going to say? Yeah. I said, are you sure it was a monkey or was it just Charlie Day? Oh, it was certainly a monkey because sometimes the monkey and Charlie Day would be on the screen at the same time. Uh, I don't (laughs) think he can split himself into two. And they would be like, it wasn't a mirror either. Do that split screen thing, you know, like parent trap style. Uh, No, I'm just teasing, obviously. Well, (laughs) we'll we'll see if, in fact, we do get more money poured into Doctor Who and whether or not that will change things. I can't see it changing the tone of the show, especially mm-hmm. with Russell T. Davies coming back. Yeah. Um, and I know there's some people who worry because any change to something that's beloved is often viewed with uh, anxiety, it's right? that kind of anticipation. Constantly so changing show. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, like, things like the foundation of the show, like gotcha. that's different than changing. Oh, Oh, this doctor has a slightly different level of quirkiness to him or her or them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see. I, I'll have to see. Maybe you'll watch it if it's on Disney plus I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Also something that I am looking forward to. I was, and then I wasn't. And now I am again, which is the Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Pinocchio. Um, when we first heard about it, I was so excited because he kind of used Pinocchio as like a Frankenstein type story. And then the first trailer mm. came out and it looked cute. And that was about it. Well, see, I, I, I remember seeing the teaser and thinking it looked a little creepy to me, uh, which didn't really surprise me too much because Guillermo del Toro is also known for being a big horror fan. Mm-hmm. But I was like, why are you making a horror movie version of Pinocchio? But now we've got a longer form trailer and it's left me thinking either one I'm misremembering the teaser or whoever cut the teaser together did so in a way that that gave me the wrong impression of what this film was going to be because 
the new full trailer really makes it look like a sweet adaptation of Pinocchio. Oh, that's so interesting because when I watched the teaser or the first trailer, I don't know which one it was. I was like, okay, this, I expected something that was Pinocchio, but a little scary. And if you think, I think there are some scary aspects behind the Pinocchio story. There, there, there are some scary through lines in it. I, I thought it was going to be much scarier than it looked. And this new trailer makes it look a little bit more of like that creepy, um, not Pan's Labyrinth as in horror, because Pan's Labyrinth is scary and hard, but kind of just that level of, like step away from reality, which is a weird thing to say about like a CGI claymation whatnot story. But yeah, it, it looks a little bit more um, Pan's Labyrinth mirror mask to me now and less of just like, oh, sweet story. So it's interesting that you feel opposite. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. We have the these kind of opposite takes on this. Uh, uh, I also want to say that I don't know about you, Ariel, but to me, this looks about a billion times more appealing than the recent Disney live action adaptation of their Pinocchio. Oh yes. Yes. Um, you know, would I have said that we need another Pinocchio story? No. Cause we get one like every three years, but, uh, I will probably watch this and I will probably enjoy it. Now see if Guillermo del Toro had cast Benicio del Toro as Pinocchio, you you would you would have to pry me away from the movie theater because I would just be there to see every showing. Just just because why is someone so old playing Pinocchio? But it's because he'll flip you. He'll flip you for real. <laughs> it's a usual suspects reference. I get you know, I guess I guess he could play Geppetto. He'd be better as a Geppetto. He's not quite old enough, but I mean, you can make him as a as a, the cricket. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, like, but then the cricket would steal the show. Jimmy isn't supposed to steal the show. I, I, I'm okay. Well, all right. Well, you know what? Maybe that's it. Maybe <laughs> the next version of Pinocchio is going to follow the point of view of a totally different character, and we'll get a story completely from Jiminy Cricket's perspective. To the, from starting from the point where he's like resentful Killed? of being given the burden of having to be the conscience of this wooden boy. <laughs> Like in the original story, he get Pinocchio kills him and then feels bad about it. <laughs> well, I I am uh, so final question for you, Ariel. Are you planning on will you watch this? Will you watch this version oh, of Pinocchio? I yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch it. It's gonna happen. I might even have like my nieces, my niece and nephews over to watch it with me. What about you? I probably am gonna watch it. It it's it's definitely it definitely like I said caught my attention way more than the live action disney version of the story uh something else that we're curious about and that ariel probably isn't going to watch because she lacks the streaming service for it is spirited which we we talked about last week but they keep putting out uh, more promotional material for this twisted take on a christmas carol and um why don't you talk about ariel yeah, so this latest video, and is, I don't even know if Spirited's already out or not. Like, they say watch it on Apple TV, which I don't have Apple TV yet. I will, but right now I'm paying for Dropout, and so I've got to get rid of another streaming service before I buy a, another streaming service. But that being said, uh, this, like, one, they're, they're doing a lot of, kind of like with Free Guy, just a lot of, um, because Ryan Reynolds, of course, of, like, small little skits around the movie. And this one, this latest one, or at least as of putting it on our lineup, like it's it's kind of Ryan Reynolds being super down about it and almost like nagging the movie like, oh, they're expecting Elf and they're going to be disappointed. And Will Ferrell's like, no, 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 they're not going to be disappointed. And then Ryan Reynolds is like, yeah, but it's just us singing and we don't even sing that well. And Will Ferrell's like, come on, dude. Uh, which, I mean, fits with the characters that we know that they're going to be playing in the movie. I just thought it was an interesting um, marketing tactic. I, and there was some article I read where I finally learned what what Ryan Reynolds' uh, Scrooge-like nature is in this movie. Uh, do you happen to know now, Ariel, what what why the, the ghosts have chosen him to visit that night? Uh, because they all are fans of Ryan Reynolds. No, no, you know their their whole goal is for redemption. Do you know what he has to be redeemed from? Being Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> kind of. He's a troll on the internet. Ah, okay. That's some. 
When, okay. Yeah, I read that. I was like, it's because he 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 apparently his character. This was from an interview I saw with Ryan Reynolds where he talks about how his character enjoys causing chaos, uh, mainly online and and stirring up stuff and and making other people have to deal with it. And I'm like, ugh. I mean, ugh, but also like, uh, there were there was. I don't remember the name of the podcast, but it happened, I want to say shortly before pandemic, maybe it's still happening, where there was this guy who has some views that, you know, not everybody likes it's her podcasts, uh, decided that he was going to make a podcast about anybody who wrote him and said like disparaging things about him. He was going to set up like an in-person or phone call conversation and talk with them. And just the level of non-realization people had about being mean and hurtful on the internet because they were separated from that human interaction was a real thing. He often ended up getting apologies from those people going, man, I didn't even think about how this was affecting a real person. Um, So like, it's definitely an issue people have dealt with and, you know, something people should be cautious about. Sure. Uh, For me, it's maybe it's because I cover this uh, in my day job. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I've, I've seen so many of these stories over and over again that to get a Christmas Carol version, I'm just like, great. Mm. Yay. But uh, Hey, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the execution will be incredibly entertaining. I mean, it's clear that they put a lot of effort behind this production. So, and I think I remember reading one headline that said it's essentially a Broadway musical on screen. I mean, I like that. I like that. Um, you know, even though I wasn't a huge fan of Elf, uh, I I liked Will Ferrell playing a nice character in it. So, so yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll get Apple TV before Christmas and I'll watch it. But if not, yeah. you and I can just always watch A Christmas Carol for Netflix, Jonathan. Yeah, the animated one. Yeah, so uh, uh, the, the like- title I gave this, this story is... A trailer for a new animated version of A Christmas Carol for Netflix, and you couldn't pay me to watch it. Okay, well, then you can watch it for free. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, let me tell you. So so I'll start off by saying it, it doesn't look bad. Okay. All right, I'll start with that. It doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look good either. It looks like a very straight down the middle milk toast musical adaptation of a Christmas Carol, which we have seen a billion times. There's nothing that looks particularly creative about it. I don't really like the character design for Scrooge. Uh, he hmm. looks a little too hale and hearty for my tastes, but um, you know, he's not quite to professional wrestler uh, in his decline mode, but it's not far off. And I don't know. It just, I saw it and I was like, yeah, man, there's so many different versions of a Christmas Carol that are easily available for viewing. I don't know why anyone would bother with this one. I mean, I, I get it. There are some new songs and so the animation style kind of looks very rise of the guardians to me. I I did not have time to to see if it's the same group. Um, Also Hardy and Hale. I want to start a restaurant that's called Hardy and Hale or Hale and Hardy. It was at this point, dear listener, that Ariel's power flickered. She did get a little bit more in, but it didn't catch on the recording where she mentioned that her Hardy and Hale restaurant would be Hale, H-A-I-L, and they would be selling cold stews. And I said, maybe you should make it Hardy and Kale. And then she said, that's a much better idea. But that's kind of where things broke down until we were able to reestablish communications, which we bring you to. Now, whether or not uh, I like this particular trailer of A Christmas Carol, we now know that Ariel is being visited by spirits because they kicked her off her power grid briefly. So <laughs> we had a little interruption in recording. But Ariel, what what was your opinion of this trailer? You were kind of talking about it before we, we ha- were unceremoniously disconnected. I mean, I think I was going off on a bunny trail for uh, for a restaurant, which is why maybe the spirits were telling me that I needed to get back on track. Um, I, I mean, I think it looks cute. Uh, I, I like the animation style. 
Um, but like you, I don't necessarily think it's necessary. But I also feel hypocritical for saying that because a lot of times I do like new versions of A Christmas Carol. So, Well, and you've been in stage versions of A Christmas Carol. So, so many. <laughs> <laughs> as different characters yes. well let's let's move on so the christmas carol animated film is coming out for netflix the trailer is available if you want to watch it i'm sure it's a really cute family friendly version and maybe that's the point right maybe this is a way to get audiences into the story who might not watch other versions because they look really dated uh, maybe they're paced in a way that doesn't really appeal to younger viewers. So I can see where this would have appeal. It just doesn't work for me because I've seen so many different versions and I have favorites of my own, none of which are the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Don't at me, Shay. They, yeah. The Muppets Christmas Carol's not good. It's not my favorite either. I, I have other friends that would, would at me for that as well. Um, but what does we're like, probably going to have listeners at us too. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. If you like Muppet at Christmas Carol, that's awesome. I was watching them actually the other day, a really old one, and they left out Emmett Otter Jug Band Christmas, which is my favorite Muppet Christmas special. I, I like the John Denver one, but yeah, the Emmett Otter one is really good too. Yeah, the John Denver one's not bad. Uh, something else that doesn't at least look bad is the new trailer for Knives Out Glass Onion. Yeah, so this gave us a little more of a view of what's the the premise behind this, which obviously was going to be a murder mystery. That's what we would all expect based upon the first Knives Out. But uh, the premise here is that you've got a bunch of people who are very competitive, but they're friends with one another, who are gathering together for a murder mystery weekend. And Benoit Blanc has been invited to participate as well, even though he's not part of this inner circle of friends. Uh, and the trailer looks really entertaining. My favorite bit being his very quick conversation about the board game Clue. Yes, yes, that was that was delightful. I was thinking that this new Knives Out looked a lot like Clue to me. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, there's not really much more to say. Other like Benoit kind of looks like a fanboy of the person who invited him to the house, which is also delightful, at least from the trailer. But yeah, yeah, uh, I'll I'll put these notes up on our on our uh sometime between today and Sunday. So if you want to check it out and you don't like Googling, you can check it out there. <laughs> yeah, just use us as your Google for a very <laughs> narrow use of Google. Yes. Also, apparently in film news, we're getting a Gears of War, War movie and animated series. Yeah, I I could have put this in the 30 seconds or less category, honestly. Let's uh, do it. Because I don't really, yeah, I don't really want to, I'm not going to get my timer app out again, but I, I don't really want to spend any time on this. Yeah, Gears of War is a video game series that's been around forever. And it's really, you know, it's like, like, army slash marines type characters fighting against aliens bug like aliens it's kind of like starship troopers but set on earth and or halo or kind of well kind of like a little less than like halo okay. I, i'd say more like starship troopers and okay. halo it's not my it's not my cup of tea ariel i tried playing one of these games could not get into it it's just not my style of gameplay so this is one of those things where i'm sure fans of the series will be excited to get mad at how their favorite characters are portrayed <laughs> in this film and animated series, but I uh, am going to skip it. Fair enough. Uh, are you a fan of the Witcher? No. Cool. What did you, <laughs> <laughs> but not because, not because I don't like it, but because I have not taken the time to dive into that world. I have the Witcher three, which I think a lot of people consider the the best of the, the computer game series. And I started playing it and it is really good, right? It's like really well done, but it's super deep. You can pick up practically anything, which for someone like me is terrible because mm-hmm. I just become a walking inventory of stuff that I worry I might need at some point and I don't do anything. I sympathize. I sympathize. I've not played any of the Witcher games, though I have watched, you know, the series and there are things I like about it, but it's it's very hard to get into and follow, especially like in the second season, because you have to remember everything from the first season. But. 
we uh, got a teaser for the witcher blood origins which looks like a different cast of characters featuring michelle yao and i like anything that she's in and it looks good to me uh, yeah you know the uh, the trailer i based upon it being called blood origins i'm guessing this is going to kind of take us way back in the history of the world of the witcher and we're going to see how like the witcher race was born like the the these mutated humans essentially is what a witcher is mm -hmm. um and that they have a bit of the monster in them i'm guessing that's kind of what this story is about uh, i honestly don't know much because i watched the trailer and like you i thought it looked really cool uh and i thought that the characters looked interesting and i didn't really want to dive into more because i didn't want to spoil anything that being said i do wonder if my very, very, very limited exposure to the Witcher world so far will be a strike against me if I try to get into this show. Hmm. You'll have to let me know. I'll be interested to hear. Uh, something else that could have gone in 30 seconds or less. Apparently, we're getting a Welcome to Dairy TV show that finally has showrunners. Uh, it is a story about how Pennywise the Clown became Pennywise the Clown. I'm sorry, Sarah. I know you're listening to this, and I know you're shaking in your boots. You don't like clowns. <laughs> well, I, I, so we did have to include this in the full lineup because I've got a mashup and it depends upon it. Okay. But, uh, but also, <laughs> um, dairy, you know, like I, I was curious about this cause I thought, well, in, in it, the characters, uh, they refer to research they've done that shows that every 27 years, this evil force reemerges and uh, causes uh, catastrophe in the dairy region. And mm -hmm. so I was kind of interested and I thought, well, maybe we're going to get like an interesting uh, uh, episodic series where perhaps we can even have different seasons be different generations. And then with it being say worded as like the, the history of Pennywise, I, I thought, I know it's not really going to be the history of Pennywise uh, because that is not interesting at all. <laughs> it's got to be the interest. It's got to be the story about the people who are affected by Pennywise, because if it's just the history of Pennywise, I'm like, forget it. I don't want to see it. I mean, it, it might be, it might make him like a Maleficent level sympathetic character who. <laughs> He's just a monster that feeds on fear and, and terrorizes children literally to death, but he's misunderstood. <laughs> That's the scariest story of all. All right. Uh, moving on uh, until we get back to your mashup, Jonathan, which thank you. Spiel, uh, Steven Spielberg recently said that he does not like um, or that, as Jonathan puts it, he resents the streaming strategy that Warner Brothers did during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically, he was referencing how when the pandemic set in, Warner Brothers made that big announcement that all the films that it was releasing for 2021 were going to be released day and date in the theaters and on streaming. And Spielberg's point was that filmmakers create films for the big screen, gosh darn it, and that they shouldn't be forced to compromise their vision by having it crammed onto a teeny tiny television screen. Cause that's just not, that's just not right. That's not the way it was intended. And gosh, darn it. People should feel great about gathering together in a big dark room and all having a communal experience during a pandemic mm -hmm. where a respiratory illness can quickly spread through a, a group of people um, yeah, I, you might be able to detect from my tone that I, I respectfully disagree with Mr. Spielberg. I, I acknowledge that it's kind of crappy for a filmmaker who was planning on, uh, people consuming their work on the big screen, find out that instead people are watching it on TV. I get that that's disappointing. I don't think that that trumps people not dying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, the The pandemic was crappy for a lot of people. Man, we've got a lot of stories, Jonathan. Uh, we might need to pick it up if we also want to get to your mashup and not keep people on for two hours. Uh, yeah, and by people, she means herself, because 
time is ticking. All right, we're going to go through. Next up, we got a quick reaction for the trailer for John Wick 4. It got released. We got to see a little bit more. Uh, not a whole lot about the story. Mostly, you know, cool action shots and somewhat vague talk about being at the table and stuff like that. Uh, I find the lore of the John Wick series to get increasingly ridiculous with each episode mm-hmm. um, I, to the point where I think everyone in that world now is an assassin. So, yeah, well, but also it's confusing because like in the trailer, he's like, I they're like, if we have family at the table and you can get out, I'm like, wasn't that this, the, the story of like two or three <laughs> or, or even one? Yeah, or even one. Um, yeah, I, I it looks like more of the same. So if you really like the John Wick movies, then, you know, you're probably going to enjoy this. I personally, I think they're fine. I think they're they're The action scenes are entertaining to watch. I don't understand how two trained assassins who are supposedly at the top of their game can stand six feet apart from each other, firing uh, handguns at one another while also holding melee weapons and not hit anything. I don't understand how that happens. Bullet bending. It must be. Yeah, they're they're doing what was that movie with Angelina Jolie uh, <laughs> where you did uh, bend the bullet? But no, I never remember. mind. I, I mean, I remember it. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. Like it had like a one word name, like wanted or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, tell me, Ariel, about Magic Girl Shakespeare. OK, so Magic Girl Shakespeare. It, well, that's not the name of the game. I don't think. No, it's not. The, the game is called This Way Madness Lies. It's an indie game. That is a bunch of um, high school girls putting on drama that occasionally have to jump into Shakespeare plays to fight uh, the forces of evil. So you're magic girls and you put on plays and you fight evil. And it kind of looks like Pokemon kind of ish turn based fighting uh, from the screenshots. Uh, But the the review I've read about it says that it's pretty good at like giving you um, interesting fighting opportunities while still letting you feel like you're a part of the world and exploring the world. And it's not just one or the other. So it sounds like it's pretty well balanced. Interesting. Yeah. This was one of those news stories that uh, I accidentally did not look at before we started recording. So I literally only had the headline to go from and I was like, what the heck is a magic girl Shakespeare fighting game? (laughs) But now you're 100% going to download it and play it, aren't you? Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's totally my bag. You want to be a magic Shakespeare girl. (laughs) Yes. We have a couple of sad stories to conclude this episode before we go into our mashup. One is that Kevin Conroy, the actor uh, who perhaps to our listeners might be best known as the actor who, who lent his voice as Batman for countless incarnations of the Batman character and like animation and in games and stuff has passed away. Mm-hmm. So that's very sad. Uh, yeah. And another Kevin, Kevin O'Neill, who co-created the league of extraordinary gentlemen with uh, Alan Moore has also passed away. So two important Kevins in the geek sphere have, uh, have passed on. Well, isn't league of extraordinary gentlemen also DC? Yeah, technically it is. Yeah, it was. I forget what the name of the the branch of DC that it fell under. But yeah. So, yeah. So sad day for DC. Kevin Conroy was like, I, I like Leave Extraordinary Gentleman. I haven't read a whole lot of it and the movies have just been OK. Um, But I appreciate what like the, the use of classic monsters. Kevin Conroy was my Batman. He was my favorite Batman. Yeah. So. Well, I'll, I'll say this, Ariel, like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, if anyone out there is interested in reading those graphic novels, just know that the the key phrase in that is graphic because gotcha. boy, howdy, uh, there are some really rough things that happen in those stories. And uh, I've read it and kind of think like I would have been just fine not having read it particularly when you get to dr jekyll mr hyde it's Mm. it's rough so um so thank you so just beware but yeah um yeah i mean like i said i like classic monsters i'm glad to know that it's rough the movie wasn't rough i guess the the little bit i've read wasn't rough (laughs) the movie was ridiculous (laughs) it was the one with sean connery (laughs) uh all right speaking of ridiculous 
Yeah, we haven't done a mashup in a little bit, and I just thought I would I had a little extra time on my hands. So and I had the creative bug bite me. So I asked Ariel if I could do one and she said yes. So uh, I took two properties to mash together. That's what we do. We take two unrelated things and then say, what would happen if you combined them? And you might remember we were talking previously about a series called uh, Pennyworth, the origins of Batman's Butler which mm-hmm. uh, just got that subtitle this most recent season. It had had two seasons on a little watch network called Epics, E-P-I-X, and now has moved to HBO Max. And of course, it follows uh, the history of Alfred Pennyworth, the man who would become Thomas Wayne's butler and kind of uh, the man behind the keyboard for Bruce Wayne as Batman. Mm-hmm. And this particular incarnation is supposed to be the uh, the historical version of the one that showed up in the series Gotham, uh, which I could not stand that series. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's one. And the other, because we are talking about the the Dairy series, uh, the background on Pennywise, I thought, well, we got Alfred Pennyworth. What happens if I combine that with Pennywise the Clown? And so those are the two properties I've decided to put together for my mashup. Uh, yeah. So also when Jonathan asked me if he could do a mashup and I said, yeah, I won't have time. I do want to write more mashups, you guys. Uh, Cause uh, I, I love doing that too. I just, it's, it's been a couple, a couple of crazy months for me, but, but I said, yes, of course you should write a mashup. In fact, you should, it is a uh, penance. You have to pay for sorely misjudging our, <laughs> the number of our audience. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause I found out that we had, uh, uh, I was just off by a couple of zeros. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They, we have more like 400 rather than four. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. But here's my, here is my mashup. It is called Pennywise, the terrifying story of Batman's Butler. <clears throat> <laughs> Bruce Wayne has a problem. Actually, he has a bunch of them, for example, and I don't know if you know this, but when Bruce was a kid, his parents were killed during a robbery attempt in a place called Crime Alley. And you might say, wow, I don't want a victim blame, but maybe it's a bad idea to take a shortcut down a lane called Crime Alley, particularly if you're dressed in a lot of rich folks stuff. And sure, their judgment was at best questionable, but the real blame still has to go to the guy who actually attacked them, Joe Chill or the Joker or whoever. I'm not sure in this particular fiction who it was. Anyway, that's not the problem. Uh, Also, as a consequence, Bruce develops this deep need to seek vengeance on the criminal element in Gotham City, which is, by the way, where we are. I forgot to mention that we're in Gotham. So it's Crime Alley that's in Gotham City. And when names like these, it's just a matter of time before we get to Murder Boulevard, or it sure would be a shame if something happened to your kneecaps avenue. But that's not... (laughs) even the problem I'm talking about. Nor is the problem of Bruce figuring out how to scare criminals so that they don't, you know, immediately murder him to death. He figures out that by dressing up like a bat, he could scare bad guys. But really, he could have dressed up like anything, because I submit to you that a grown-ass man dressed as any kind of animal running and punching and kicking at you is gonna make you just have your tummy clinch in fear. No. Bruce Wayne's current problem, the one that pertains to our story, is his butler, Alfred Pennywise. He's been in the family for generations, or at least one. Bruce's parents, Thomas and why did you say Martha, hired Pennywise (laughs) something like 26 years ago. Oh, in this version of the story, we're going to say that Bruce Wayne is like 25, which is young for a Batman story, but I need it for the math to work out. Anyway, for some reason... Alfred is looking a little bit different from his normal self for all of Bruce's life, which again is 25 years. This is important. Alfred has just been a kind of boring old English guy. Sure. There were hints of a more dramatic past that Alfred may at one point have belonged to the special air services of Britain, becoming a decorated special forces soldier and later a paramilitary security expert. Also, he might have crossed paths with an anarchist wearing a Guy Fox mask at some point, but honestly, I'm not caught up with Pennyworth, so I don't know if that's really developed yet. But now, Pennywise seems a bit more eccentric. For one thing, he's about a foot taller, 
He has a bulbous head with fluffy red hair all around it. One of his eyes goes all funny, so it's hard to know which one's looking at you. And he drools a lot. I mean, he drooled a lot before, but now his mouth is all fangy. Oh, and he's also no longer in his butler uniform. Instead, he wears a clown suit. It's a dramatic enough departure from his normal appearance that even Bruce notices. One morning, when Pennywise brings him his breakfast, which, once Bruce lifts the cloche, appears to be a red helium balloon that immediately floats to the ceiling, Bruce decides it's time to dive into this. So, Alfred, he says, how are things? Now, at this point, Alfred smiles an impossibly wide smile, and he opens his mouth, whereupon the top of his head flips back, and this intense light begins to shine out, and then he starts to sound like Tim Curry, as this voice just comes out of him saying, We all float down here. Huh, says Bruce Wayne, who gets up and casually strolls to the Batcave. There, Bruce Wayne does a little research, by which I mean Googling, because let's face it, no recent depiction of Batman outside of the comics has managed to show him as an actual detective. And there, he finds out that 27 years ago, one year before Thomas Wayne hired Alfred, there was this problem in Gotham where all these kids went missing, including Bruce's older sibling, who might have been a brother or a sister, depending on if you're reading the comics or watching the Pennyworth TV show. And Bruce starts researching more, by which I mean he goes to a few Wikipedia articles, and he figures out that the timeline of Pennywise joining the Wayne household came right after all these mysterious disappearances because he does the math. And then he figures that the correlation is the same thing as causation. Everybody knows that. It's because <laughs> he's a really bad detective. <laughs> hey, Alfred, says Bruce. Do you have like this crazy cycle that happens every 27 years where you become a hideous monster that preys upon children because they feel fear more intensely than adults? And Alfred is like, yes, sorry about that, Master Wayne. That does tend to happen. And my father hired you anyway, says Bruce. Honestly, it didn't come up in the interview, says Alfred. And then Bruce is like, look, I can't have my butler terrorizing children. Unless they are villains. If if they are children and villains, I guess it's okay to scare them. Because that's kind of my thing when I go after villains. Because they are a superstitious, cowardly lot. But I think that's the only exception I can make. I understand, Master Wayne. Shall I hand in my notice? Says Alfred. How long does this crazy cycle last? Asks Bruce. About a year, Master Wayne. Says Alfred. All right, how about you take a year hiatus? I'm sure I can figure out how to put on my pants before a year is out, says Bruce. <laughs> Thank you, Master Wayne. And you aren't going to come after me, asks Alfred. Oh, no, 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 no. See, I already have a clown arch nemesis. I can't risk being redundant. I already have to explain my backstory in every single incarnation. And so I'm on thin ice already, says Bruce. Very good, Master Wayne, says Alfred. Before I go... Do you know what we fall, Master Wayne? So that we can get back up again, says Bruce. No. So we can float. We all float down here, says Alfred, who begins to laugh maniacally. Credits. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Your Will Arnett Batman was spot on. And your uh, <laughs> Bill Skarsgård uh, <laughs> Pennywise was... No, I'm, it was more of the Tim Curry Pennywise. Uh, was great. No, it wasn't... It, I was I was searching around for Michael Caine, but I was like, unless I say my cocaine and say my cocaine, I can't really get it. Oh, no, like your your Alfred was great. It was just when it when it went into Pennywise because it was a mix of Alfred and Pennywise, which, again, spot on. It, it almost sounded a little sea captain-y, which I, was delightful. No, that was. <laughs> <laughs> it, was deli <laughs> it was delightful. Uh, scary clowns and all. I, I love that. Thank you. See, in my, in my mashup, it's good I didn't write one because it would just be uh, Pennywise shows up at the Wayne Manor or and uh, Pennyworth just goes, nope, and closes the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I thought about putting Pennywise into the story of Pennyworth, but then I thought this is going to require me to watch some episodes of Pennyworth and I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> So uh, yeah. I have not done that yet. I did read a synopsis of the stuff that's going on. And 
I, I was surprised to find that um, that according to the wikis anyway, that the series Pennyworth has within it elements that hint that the the Britain you see in Pennyworth is the one that evolves into the Britain that's in V for Vendetta. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is why I had the whole thing about Guy Fawkes mask, because apparently uh, Pennyworth is active uh, during the time where there's this fascist faction in the UK that's attempting to get power. And assuming that it becomes the V for Vendetta universe, they eventually succeed. I that almost makes me interested in watching it. Same. Yeah, which in V for Vendetta, that's another Alan Moore connection. Alan Moore being the co-creator of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So it all comes back around. The geek sphere ends up having, you know, one degree of separation from everything else. So pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Well, if you thought that was interesting or you have any interesting facts you'd like to share with us about the things we talked about this week, you should write us and tell us. Yes, you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram where we are Large Nerdron Collider, or you can send us a, a tweet while Twitter is still a thing at <laughs> LNC underscore podcast. Yes, and you know, if you like the show, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, share episodes, and review us because, um, yeah, it helps. Right, and as Ariel mentioned earlier in the episode, we do have a webpage where she puts up show notes. That is largenerdroncollider.com. You can find links to the stories we reference. And uh, yeah, check it out if you missed an episode or something, or you're just wondering where the heck is that trailer? Uh, those links should be up uh, soon-ish as you listen to this episode. Yes, I will say there there are a few episodes that did not make it on there, um, but I'm going to be better about it. That is my commitment to you. Yeah, I I handed that over to her because I was really bad about it. But uh, until next time, I'm uh, Jonathan crying on the inside kind, I guess, Strickland. And I am Ariel uh, hiding behind a shiny red balloon, Kasten. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.